Ah, did men dwell more upon that account that they must ere long give for all the mercies that they have enjoyed and for all the favors that they have abused and for all the sins that they have committed. It would make their hearts to tremble and their lips to quiver and rottenness to enter into their bones. It would cause their souls to cry out and say, Oh, that our mercies had been fewer and lesser, that our account might have been easier and our torment and misery, for our abuse of so great mercy, not greater than we are able to bear. Oh, cursed be the day wherein the crown of honor was set upon our heads and the treasures of this world were cast into our laps. O cursed be the day wherein the sun of prosperity shines so strong upon us, and this flattering world smiles so much upon us, as to occasion us to forget God, to slight Jesus Christ, to neglect our souls, and to put far from us the day of our account. Philip III of Spain, whose life was free from gross evils, professed that he would rather lose his kingdom than offend God willingly. Yet being in the agony of death and considering more thoroughly of his account he was to give to God, fear struck into him, and these words break from him. O would to God I had never reigned! O that those years that I have spent in my kingdom I had lived a solitary life in the wilderness! O that I had lived a solitary life with God! How much more securely should I have now died! How much more confidently should I have gone to the throne of God! What doth all my glory profit me, but that I have so much the more torment in my death? God keeps an exact account of every penny that is laid out upon him and his, and that is laid out against him and his. And this is the day of account men shall know and feel, though now they wink and will not understand. The sleeping of vengeance causeth the overflowing of sin, and the overflowing of sin causeth the awakening of vengeance. Abused mercy will certainly turn into fury. God's forbearance is no quittance. The day is at hand when he will pay wicked men for the abuse of old and new mercies. If he seem to be slow, yet he is sure. He hath leaden heels, but iron hands. The farther he stretcheth his bow or draweth his arrow, the deeper he will wound in the day of vengeance. Men's actions are all in print in heaven, and God will in the day of account. Read them aloud in the ears of all the world, that they may all say, Amen, to that righteous sentence that he shall pass upon all despisers and abusers of mercy. Footnote. Jerome still thought that voice was in his ears, Arise ye dead, and come to judgment. As oft as I think on that day, how doth my whole body quake, and my heart within me tremble. End of footnote. Device 9. By presenting to the soul the crosses, losses, reproaches, sorrows, and sufferings that do daily attend those that walk in the ways of holiness. Saith Satan, Do not you see that there are none in the world that are so vexed, afflicted, and tossed as those that walk more circumspectly and holily than their neighbors? They are a byword at home and a reproach abroad. Their miseries come in upon them like Job's messengers, one upon the neck of another and there is no end of their sorrows and troubles. Therefore, saith Satan, you were better to walk in ways that are less troublesome and less afflicted, though they be more sinful. For who but a madman would spend his days in sorrow, vexation, and affliction, when it may be prevented by walking in the ways that I set before him? Remedy 1. 
The first remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that all the afflictions that do attend the people of God are such as shall turn to the profit and glorious advantage of the people of God. They shall discover that filthiness and vileness in sin that yet the soul hath never seen. It was the speech of a German divine in his sickness. In this disease I have learned how great God is and what the evil of sin is. I never knew to purpose what God was before nor what sin meant till now. Afflictions are a crystal glass wherein the soul hath the clearest sight of an ugly face of sin. In this glass the soul comes to see sin to be but a bitter sweet. Yea, in this glass the soul comes to see sin not only to be an evil but to be the greatest evil in the world, to be an evil far worse than hell itself. Again, they shall contribute to the mortifying and purging away of their sins. Isaiah 1.15 and 27 verses 8 and 9 Afflictions are God's furnace by which he cleanses his people from their dross. Affliction is a fire to purge out our dross and to make virtue shine. It is a potion to carry away ill humors better than all the benedictum, medicamentum, or commended remedies as physicians call them. Footnote In times of peace our armor is rusty. In time of war it is bright. End of footnote Aloes kills worms. Coals and frost do destroy vermin. So do afflictions the corruptions that are in our hearts. The Jews, under the prophet's thunderings, retained their idols, but after their Babylonish captivity, it is observed that there had been no idols found amongst them. Again, afflictions are sweet preservatives to keep the saints from sin, which is a greater evil than hell itself. As Job spake, Surely it is meet to be said unto God, I have borne chastisement, I will not offend any more. That which I see not, teach thou me. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. Once have I spoken foolishly, yea, twice, I will do so no more. Job 34, verses 31 and 32, and chapter 40, verse 5. The burnt child dreads the fire. Ah, saith the soul under the rod, Sin is but a bitter sweet, and for the future I intend by the strength of Christ that I will not buy repentance at so dear a rate. Footnote Salt brine preserves from putrefaction, and salt marshes keep the sheep from the rot. So do afflictions the saints from sin. The ball in the emblem saith, The harder you beat me down in affliction, the higher I shall bound in affection towards heaven and heavenly things. End of footnote. The rabbins, to scare their scholars from sin, were wont to tell them that sin made God's head ache, and saints under the rod have found by woeful experience that sin makes not only their heads, but their hearts ache also. Augustine, by wandering out of his way, escaped one that lay in wait to mischief him. If afflictions did not put us out of our way, we should many times meet with some sin or other that would mischief our precious souls. Again, they will work the saints to be more fruitful in holiness. Hebrews 12, verses 10 and 11. But he afflicts us for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. The flowers smell sweetest after a shower. Vines bear the better for bleeding. The walnut tree is most fruitful when most beaten. 
saints spring and thrive most internally when they are most externally afflicted. Afflictions are called by some the mother of virtue. Manessa's chain was more profitable to him than his crown. Luther could not understand some scriptures till he was in affliction. The Christ cross is no letter, yet that taught him more than all the letters in the row. God's house of correction is his school of instruction. All the stones that came about Stephen's ears did but knock him closer to Christ, the cornerstone. The waves did but lift Noah's ark nearer to heaven, and the higher the waters grew, the more near the ark was lifted up to heaven. Afflictions do but lift up the soul to more rich, clear, and full enjoyments of God. Hosea 2.14 Behold, I will allure her into the wilderness and speak comfortably to her. Or rather, as the Hebrew hath it, I will earnestly or vehemently speak to her heart. God makes afflictions to be but inlets to the soul's more sweet and full enjoyment of his blessed self. When was it that Stephen saw the heavens open and Christ standing at the right hand of God but when the stones were about his ears and there was but a short step between him and eternity? And when did God appear in his glory to Jacob but in the day of his troubles when the stones were his pillows and the ground his bed and the hedges his curtains and the heavens his canopy. Then he saw the angels of God ascending and descending in their glittering robes. The plant in Matthew's then grows with cutting. Being cut, it flourishes, it contends with the axe, it lives by dying, and by cutting it grows. Footnote It is reported of Tiberius the emperor that, passing by a place where he saw a cross lying in the ground upon a marble stone, and causing the stone to be digged up, he found a great deal of treasure under the cross. So many a precious saint hath found much spiritual and heavenly treasure under the crosses they have met withal. End of footnote. So do saints by their afflictions that do befall them, they gain more experience of the power of God supporting them, of the wisdom of God directing them, of the grace of God refreshing and cheering them, and of the goodness of God quieting and quickening of them to a greater love to holiness and to a greater delight in holiness and to a more vehement pursuing after holiness. I have read of a fountain that at noonday is cold and at midnight it grows warm. So many a precious soul is cold God's words and heaven words and holiness words in the day of prosperity that grow warm God words and heaven words and holiness words in the midnight of adversity. Again, afflictions serve to keep the hearts of the saints humble and tender. Lamentations 3, verses 19 and 20. Remembering my affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me, or bowed down in me as the original hath it. So David, when he was under the rod, could say, I was dumb, I opened not my mouth, because thou did it. Psalm 39, verse 9. I have read of one, Gregory Nazanthian, who, when anything fell out prosperously, would read over the lamentation of Jeremiah, and that kept his heart tender, humbled, and low. Prosperity doth not contribute more to the puffing up of the soul than adversity doth in the bowing down of the soul. 
This the saints by experience find, and therefore they can kiss and embrace the cross as others do the world's crown. Footnote. The more precious orders and the purest spices are beaten and bruised, the sweeter scent and savor they send abroad. So do saints when they are afflicted. End of footnote. Again, they serve to bring the saints nearer to God and to make them more importunate and earnest in prayer with God. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. I will be to Ephraim as a lion, and as a young lion to the house of Judah. I, even I, will tear and go away. I will take away, and none shall rescue him. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. And so they did. Come, say they, and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us. In the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. So when God had hedged up their way with thorns, then they say, I will go and return to my first husband, for then was it with me better than now. Hosea 2 verses 6 and 7 Ah, the joy, the peace, the comfort, the delight and content that did attend us when we kept close communion with God, doth bespeak our return to God. We will return to our first husband, for then it was with us better than now. When Tirabazus, a noble Persian, was arrested, he drew out his sword and defended himself. But when they told him that they came to carry him to the king, he willingly yielded. So though a saint may at first stand a little out, yet when he remembers that afflictions are to carry him nearer to God, he yields and kisses the rod. Afflictions are like the prick at the nightingale's breast that awakes her and puts her upon her sweet and delightful singing. Again, afflictions serve to revive and recover decayed graces. They inflame that love that is cold and they quicken that faith that is decaying and they put life into those hopes that are withering and spirits into those joys and comforts that are languishing. Footnote Most men are like a top. They will not go unless you whip it and the more you whip it, the better it goes. You know how to apply it. They that are in adversity, saith Luther, do better understand scriptures. But those that are in prosperity read them as a verse in Ovid. Bees are killed with honey but quicken with vinegar. The honey of prosperity kills our graces, but the vinegar of adversity quickens our graces. End of footnote. Husk, saith one, when it hath lost its sweetness, if it be put into the stink amongst filth, it recovers it. So do afflictions recover and revive decayed graces. The more saints are beaten with the hammer of afflictions, the more they are made the trumpets of God's praises, the more are their graces revived and quickened. Adversity abases the loveliness of the world that might entice us. It abates the lustiness of the flesh within that might incite us to folly and vanity. And it abets the spirit in his quarrel to the former too, which tends much to the reviving and recovering of decayed graces. Now suppose afflictions and troubles attend the ways of holiness. Yet seen that they all work for the great profit and singular advantage of the saints. 
let no soul be so mad as to leave an afflicted way of holiness to walk in the smooth path of wickedness. Remedy 2 The second remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that all the afflictions that do befall the saints do only reach their worser part. They reach not, they hurt not, their noble part, their best part. All the arrows stick in the target, they reach not the conscience. And who shall harm you if ye be followers of that which is good, saith the Apostle in 1 Peter 3:13. That is, none shall harm you. They may thus and thus afflict you, but they shall never harm you. Footnote The Christian soldier shall ever be master of the day. Said Cyprian to Cornelius, he may suffer death, but never conquest. End of footnote. It was the speech of an heathen, when as by a tyrant he was commanded to be put into a mortar and to be beaten to pieces with an iron pestle. He cries out to his persecutors, You do but beat the vessel, the case, the husk of Anacarchus. You do not beat me. His body was to him but as a case, a husk. He counted his soul himself, which they could not reach. You are wise and know how to apply it. Socrates said of his enemies, They may kill me, but they cannot hurt me. So afflictions may kill us, but they cannot hurt us. They may take away our life, but they cannot take away my God, my Christ, my crown. Remedy 3 The third remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that the afflictions that do attend the saints in the ways of holiness are but short and momentary. Sorrow may abide for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Psalm 30, verse 5 This short storm will end in an everlasting calm. This short night will end in a glorious day that shall never have an end. Footnote There are none of God's afflicted ones that have not their intermissions, respites, and breathing wiles under their short and momentary afflictions. When God's hand is on thy back, let thy hand be on thy mouth. For though the affliction be sharp, it shall be but short. End of footnote. It is but a very short time between grace and glory, between our title to the crown and our wearing the crown, between our right to the heavenly inheritance and our possession of the heavenly inheritance. Fourteen thousand years to the Lord is but one day. What is our life but a shadow, a bubble, a flower, a post, a span, a dream? Yea, so small a while doth the hand of the Lord rest upon us that Luther cannot get diminutives enough to extenuate it, for he calls it a very little cross that we bear. The prophet in Isaiah 26.20 saith the indignation doth not transire or pass, but overpass. The sharpness, shortness, and suddenness of it is set forth by the travail of a woman. John 16.21 And that is a sweet scripture. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Hebrews 10, verses 36 and 37 A little, little, little while. When Anastasia's friend came to bewail him because of his misery and banishment, he said, It is but a little cloud, 
and will be quickly gone. It will be but as a day before God will give his afflicted ones beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for the spirit of heaviness, before he will turn all your sighing into singing, all your lamentations into consolations, your sackcloth into silks, ashes into ointments, and your fasts into everlasting feasts. Remedy 4 The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that the afflictions that do befall the saints are such as proceed from God's dearest love. Footnote Augustine asks, If he were beloved, how came he to be sick? So are wicked men apt to say because they know not that corrections are pledges of our adoption and badges of our sonship. God had one son without sin, but none without sorrow. End of footnote. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Revelation 3.19 Saints, saith God, think not that I hate you, because I thus chide you. He that escapes reprehension may suspect his adoption. God had one son without corruption, but no son without correction. A gracious soul may look through the darkest cloud and see a God smiling on him. We must look through the anger of his correction to the sweetness of his countenance, even as by the rainbow we see that beautiful image of the sun's light in the midst of a dark and waterish cloud. When Munster lay sick and his friends asked him how he did and how he felt himself, he pointed to his sores and ulcers, whereof he was full, and said, These are God's gems and jewels, wherewith he decketh his best friends. To me they are more precious than all the gold and silver in the world. A soul at first conversion is but rough cast, but God by afflictions does square and fit and fashion it for that glory above, which does now speak them out to flow from precious love. Therefore the afflictions that do attend the people of God should be no bar to holiness, nor no motive to draw the soul to ways of wickedness. Remedy 5 The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that it is our duty and glory not to measure afflictions by the smart but by the end. When Israel was dismissed out of Egypt it was with gold and earrings. Exodus 11.3 So the Jews were dismissed out of Babylon with gifts, jewels and all necessary utensils. Ezra 1 verses 7 through 11 Look more at the latter end of a Christian than the beginning of his affliction. Consider the patience of Job and what end the Lord made with him. Look not upon Lazarus dying at Dai's door, but lying in Abraham's bosom. Look not to the beginning of Joseph, who was so far from his dream that the sun and moon should reverence him, that for two years he was cast where he could see neither sun, moon, nor stars. But behold him at last made ruler over Egypt. Look not upon David as there was but a step between him and death, nor as he was envied by some and slighted and despised by others. But behold him seated in his royal throne and dying in his bed of honor, and his son Solomon and all his glistening nobles about him. Afflictions, they are but as a dark entry into your father's house. They are but as a dirty lane to a royal palace. Now tell me, souls, whether it be not very great madness to shun the ways of holiness 
and to walk in the ways of wickedness because of those afflictions that do attend the ways of holiness. Footnote Afflictions They are but our father's goldsmiths who are working to add pearls to our crowns. Tiberius saw paradise when he walked upon hot burning coals. Herodotus said of the Assyrians, Let them drink nothing but wormwood all their life long. When they die, they shall swim in honey. You are wise and know how to apply it. End of footnote. Remedy 6 The sixth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that the design of God in all the afflictions that do befall them is only to try them. It is not to wrong them nor to ruin them as ignorant souls are apt to think. He knoweth the way that I take and when he hath tried me I shall come forth as gold said Job in chapter 33 verse 10. So in Deuteronomy 8 verse 2 And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thy heart whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. God afflicted them thus that he might make known to themselves and others what was in their hearts. When fire is put to green wood there comes out an abundance of watery stuff that before appeared not. When the pond is empty the mud, filth and toads come to light. The king of Arakam tries her whom he means to marry by sweating. If they be sweet, he marries them. If not, then he rejects them. You may easily make the application. End of footnote. The snow covers many a dunghill. So doth prosperity many a rotten heart. It is easy to wade in a warm bath, and every bird can sing in a sunshine day. Hard weather tries what health we have, Afflictions try what sap we have, what grace we have. Withered leaves soon fall off in windy weather. Rotten boughs quickly break with heavy weights. You are wise and know how to apply it. Afflictions are like pinching frosts. They will search us. Where we are most unsound, we shall soonest complain. And where most corruptions lie, we shall most shrink. We try metal by knocking. If it sound well, then we like it. So God tries his by knocking, and if under knocks they yield a pleasant sound, God will turn their night into day, and their bitter into sweet, and their cross into a crown, and they shall hear that voice, Arise and shine, for the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee, and the favors of the Lord are flowing in on thee. Isaiah 60 verse 1 Footnote Dunghill's raped send out a filthy steam ointments a sweet perfume this is applicable to sinners and saints under the rod and a footnote remedy 7 the seventh remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that the afflictions wrath and misery that do attend the ways of wickedness are far greater and heavier than those that do attend the ways of holiness footnote Sin oftentimes makes men insensible to the wrath of the Almighty. Sin transforms many a man, as it were, into those bears in Pliny that could not be stirred with the sharpest prickles, or those fishes in Aristotle that though they have spears thrust into their sides, yet they awake not. End of footnote. 
Oh, the galling, girding, lashing, and gnawing of conscience that do attend souls in the way of wickedness. The wicked, saith Isaiah, are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace to the wicked, saith my God. There are snares in all their mercies, and curses and crosses do attend all their comforts, both at home and abroad. What is a fine suit of clothes with a plague in it? And what is a golden cup when there is poison at the bottom? Or what is a silken stocking with a broken leg in it? The curse of God, the wrath of God, the hatred of God, and the fierce indignation of God do always attend sinners walking in a way of wickedness. Turn to Deuteronomy 28 and read from verse 15 to the end of the chapter. And turn to Leviticus 26 and read from verse 14 to the end of the chapter. And then you shall see how the curse of God haunts the wicked, as it were a fury in all his ways. In the city it attends him, in the country hovers over him, coming in it accompanies him, going forth it follows him, and in travel it is his comrade. It fills his store with strife and mingles the wrath of God with the sweetest morsels. It is a moth in his wardrobe, murrain among his cattle, mildew in the field, rot among the sheep, and oft-times makes the fruit of his loins his greatest vexation and confusion. There is no solid joy, no lasting peace, nor pure comfort that attends sinners in their sinful ways. Footnote Sin brings in sorrow and sickness. The rabbins say that when Adam tasted the forbidden fruit, his head ached. Sirens are said to sing curiously when they live, but to roar horribly when they die. So do the wicked. There is a sword of vengeance that doth every moment hang over their heads by a small thread. And what joy and content can detain such souls if the eye of conscience be but so far open as to see the sword? Ah, the horrors and terrors, the tremblings and shakings that attend their souls. Device 10 By working them to be frequent in comparing themselves and their ways with those that are reputed or reported to be worse than themselves, By this device the devil drew the proud Pharisee to bless himself in a cursed condition. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even as this publican. Luke 18.11 Why, saith Satan, you swear but pretty oaths, as by your faith and troth, but such and such swear by wounds and blood. You are now and then a little wanton, but such and such do daily defile and pollute themselves by actual uncleanness and filthiness. You deceive and overreach your neighbors in things that are but as toys and trifles, but such and such deceive and overreach others in things of greatest concernment, even to their ruin and undoings. You do but sit and chat and sip with the drunkard, but such and such sit and drink and are drunk with the drunkard. You are only a little proud in heart and habit, in looks and words. Remedy 1 The first remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that there is not a greater nor a clearer argument to prove a man a hypocrite than to be quick-sighted abroad and blind at home, than to see a mote in another man's eye and not a beam in his own eye 
Matthew 7, 3 and 4, than to use spectacles to behold other men's sins rather than looking glasses to behold his own, rather to be always holding his finger upon other men's sores and to be amplifying and aggravating other men's sins than mitigating his own. Footnote. History speaks of a kind of witches that, stirring abroad, would put on their eyes, but returning home they box them up again. So do hypocrites. End of footnote. Remedy 2. The second remedy against this device of Satan is to spend more time in comparing your own internal and external actions with the rule, with the word, by which you must be judged at last, then in comparing of yourselves with those that are worse than yourselves. Footnote. The nearer we draw to God and his word, the more rottenness we shall find in our bones. The more any man looks into the body of the sun, the less he seeth when he looks down again. It is said of the basilisk that if he looks into a glass, he presently dieth. So will sin, and a sinner, in a spiritual sense, when he looks into the word which is God's glass. And a footnote. That man that, comparing his self with others that are worse than himself, may seem to himself and others to be an angel, yet comparing himself with the word may see himself to be like the devil, yea, a very devil. Have I not chosen twelve, and one of you is the devil? John 6.70 Such men are like him, as if they were spit out of his mouth. Satan is called the god of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4 Because as God at first did but speak the word, and it was done, so if the devil doth but hold up his finger, give the least hint, they will do his will, though they undo their souls forever. Ah, what monsters would these men appear to be, did they but compare themselves with a righteous rule, and not with the most unrighteous men. They would appear to be as black as hell itself. Remedy 3 The third remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider, that though thy sins be not as great as those of others, yet without sound repentance on thy side, and pardoning mercy on God's, thou wilt be as certainly damned as others, though not equally tormented with others. Footnote As in heaven one is more glorious than another, so in hell one shall be more miserable than another. Augustine End of footnote What though hell shall not be as hot to thee as to others, yet thou must as certainly go to hell as others unless the glorious grace of God shines forth upon thee in the face of Christ. God will suit men's punishments to their sins. The greatest sins shall be attended with the greatest punishments, and lesser sins with lesser punishments. Alas, what a poor comfort wilt this be to thee when thou comest to die, to consider that thou shalt not be equally tormented with others, yet must be forever shut out from the glorious presence of God, Christ, angels, and saints, and from those good things of eternal life that are so many that they exceed number, so great that they exceed measure, and so precious that they exceed estimation. Sure it is that the tears of hell are not sufficient to bewail the loss of heaven. The worm of grief gnaws as painful as the fire burns. If those souls, Acts 20.37, wept because they should see Paul's face no more, 
How deplorable is the internal deprivation of the beautiful vision. Footnote. The gate of indulgence, the gate of hope, the gate of mercy, the gate of glory, the gate of consolation, and the gate of salvation will be forever shut against them. Matthew 25 verse 10. End of footnote. But this is not all. Thou shalt not only be shut out of heaven, but shut up in hell forever. Not only shut out from the presence of God and angels, but shut up with devils and damned spirits forever. Not only shut out from those sweet, surpassing, unexpressible, and everlasting pleasures that be at God's right hand, but shut up forever under those torments that are ceaseless, remediless, and endless. Footnote It was a good saying of Chrysostom, speaking of hell, Let us not seek where it is, but how we shall escape it. End of footnote. Ah, souls, were it not ten thousand times better for you to break off your sins by repentance than to go on in your sins till you feel the truth of what now you hear? The God of Israel is very merciful. Ah, that you would repent and return, that your souls might live forever. Remember this. Grievous is the torment of the damned for the bitterness of the punishments but most grievous for the eternity of the punishments. For to be tormented without end, this is that which goes beyond the bounds of all desperation. Ah, how do the thoughts of this make the damned to roar and cry out for unquietness of heart and tear their hair and gnash their teeth and rage for madness that they must dwell in everlasting burnings forever. Footnote Surely one good means to escape hell is to take a turn or two in hell by our daily meditations. End of footnote. Device 11 By polluting and defiling the souls and judgments of men with such dangerous errors that do in their proper tendency tend to carry the souls of men to all looseness and wickedness, as woeful experience doth abundantly evidence. Ah, how many are there filled with those and such like Christ-dishonoring and soul-undoing opinions, like that ordinances are poor, low, carnal things, and not only to be lived above, but without also, that the scriptures are full of fallacies and uncertainties, and no further to be heeded than they agree with that spirit that is in them, that it is a poor, low thing, is not idolatry, too, to worship God in a mediator, that the resurrection is already past, that there was never any such man or person as Jesus Christ, that that all is an allegory, and it signifies nothing but light and love, and such good frames born in men, that there is no God nor devil, heaven nor hell, but what is within us, that there is no sin in the saints, they are under no law but that of the Spirit, which is all freedom, that sin and grace are equally good, and agreeeth to his will, with a hundred other horrid opinions, which hath caused wickedness, to break in as a flood among us. Remedy 1 The first remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that an erroneous, vain mind is as odious to God as a vicious life. Footnote A blind eye is worse than a lame foot. End of footnote He that had the leprosy in his head was to be pronounced utterly unclean. Leviticus 13.44 Gross errors make the heart foolish and render the life loose, 
and the sole light in the eye of God. Error spreads and frets like a gangrene and renders the soul a leper in the sight of God. Footnote The breath of the erroneous is infectious and like the dogs of Congo they bite though they bark not. End of footnote It was God's heavy and dreadful plague upon the Gentiles to be given up to a mind void of judgment or an injudicious mind or a mind rejected disallowed, abhorred of God, or a mind that none have caused to glory in, but rather to be ashamed of. Romans 1.28 I think that in these days God punisheth many men's former wickednesses by giving them up to soul-ruining errors. Ah, Lord, this mercy I humbly beg, that thou wouldst rather take me into thine own hand and do anything with me, then give me up to those sad heirs to which have marred their souls and are in the way of perishing forever. Footnote Through animosity to persist in error is diabolical. It were best that we never erred. Next to that, that we amended our error. End of footnote Remedy 2 The second remedy against this device of Satan is to receive the truth affectionately and let it dwell in your souls plenteously. Footnote The greatest sinners are sure to be the greatest sufferers. And the footnote When men stand out against the truth, when truth would enter, and men bar the door of their souls against the truth, God in justice gives up such souls to be deluded and deceived by error to their eternal undoing. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D, M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship, 
in which they absurdly exercise themselves, would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.